My name is Bear Siragusa, and this is the Hunting Hound Podcast presented by W Hunting Supply. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Hunting Hound Podcast. I'm lucky today. I got uh, got Nick Gilland joining us again. How you doing, Nick? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for joining us again. And thanks for this. Uh, our, our guest tonight is uh, I'm really excited to talk to him. I knew a little bit about him before. Like I, I, I he was he had registered, mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't know enough about him. And uh, you pointed him out to me and I'm, I'm really glad you did. So why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest tonight, since you were the one who brought him to my attention in the first place? Yeah, he's making his way around globally. I mean, he, he he's getting pretty popular over here in the states, and mm. now Bear's going to take him and slingshot him from Norway on around the globe, <laughs> so we can <laughs> make his around. But uh, Mr. Adam Dean, if anybody has heard anything else I've done in the past, and, and some of the circles I'll travel in, one of the common names that comes up is Adam Dean over in England. How you doing, Adam? I'm doing well, mate. I'm doing well. That's, uh, I'm quite well known for sticking my nose in where it's not wanted. You know, that's how I make my way around these circles. <laughs> it sounds like you're for perfect for podcasting then, because that's pretty much all we do is uh, stick our uh, nose where it doesn't belong. Pleased to be here. Thank you very much. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And I, like I said, I didn't know your name until mm-hmm. Nick pointed it out to me. But as soon as he told me who you were, I immediately could place the name based off of some of the work you've done because you've, uh, you know, you've done some walking sticks mm. that mm. are just unbelievable, and they're th- mm. and more interesting than uh, the quality is amazing, and just as interesting to me in this podcast is that so much of it has to do with big game like hounds and big game hounds, yeah, yeah, in the right. in North America. But you're, I mean, you're based out of Kent, is that right? Yeah, I'm about thirty miles south of London. Wow, um, sort of semi-rural, I suppose you'd say. I am, I am here, um, but I'm completely taken with the um, with the USA hunting and hound scene, really. Which uh, hunting over here we don't have a lot of, so hmm. um, I just find it really interesting. That <laughs> side of things. That's really, it's really interesting to me that you don't have. You say you don't have a lot of hunting over there because you know most of the like the american hunting at least the hounds correct me if i'm wrong nick you'll know more about this than i do but uh, my understanding has been that all of the breeds of hound we've got over there that we currently hunt with are uh, english in origin except for the plot isn't that correct uh, yeah, that's the way i've always understood they're all they're all english in origin except for the plot which i believe come from germany yeah mm. That sounds right to me. So, what uh, do you do? You not have the hounds over there anymore. I mean, I know they still have hounds, but they but the hunting hunting with dogs was basically banned in two thousand and four. Right. Was apart from you can still hunt rabbit, and if you flush, if you accidentally flush other third game, basically it was stopped because of. Because of the distress, not so much the actual, the killing and the catching of an animal. It was the idea behind banning it was the distress that's caused that animal whilst it's being pursued. Sure. Okay. That is why it was banned. So a lot of the, 
the old English fox sound packs did actually, um, you know, they closed up when the band come in. Okay. But we they still do uh, scent trailing with them. We've still got beagle packs. Sure. You know, of otter hounds, but, you know, we haven't been able to hunt the otter since the mid-60s. Okay. So it, it is here, and it, they... This, this I was thinking about this today. This is this is the big sort of dichotomy about when you look at England or Great Britain, is that we did export all these hunting dogs around the world, but that was then. Mm-hmm. And now, although we did export them now, that's a dim and distant past. Yeah, really to us now, they're right. being, you know they're being carried on and developed in other countries. We're not really developing that development anymore any further than what they were when they was exported, really. Sure. That's really interesting. Are so it's it's not allowed with any kind of pursuit with, with dogs anymore? Are you still able to do like the coursing and, and no, no, nothing like that? Was, no. Beagles right. hunting rabbits with big packs of beagles? Hunt, hunt rabbits with beagles. Okay. Um there is a, a pack quite near to me. Because um, I take part in a, I help out on a pheasant shoot, so okay. a game shoot near me, and they we have a beef pack go through occasionally, and okay. a foxhound pack, but they're they're man trailing basically. Okay, gotcha. Mm. Yeah, gotcha. Wow, that's really interesting. What I mean, uh, sort of already going down the rabbit hole a little bit here, but yeah, you know what would happen if. If you've got one of these foxhound track packs that are trailing, what mm. would happen if they suddenly cross a fresh um, fox track? Like, what hap- Are there well, consequences that- then if they catch? Uh, you? No, I think it's one of those things. It's it's a law, but you know it's obviously completely flawed, right? Because you can't, you know, you can't train a pack of foxhounds not to follow. You'd you'd have developed a different breed if you did do that. Right. Yeah. It's like the, the definition of trash suddenly becomes a lot harder. It's like you're yeah. only allowed to run the dead things, not the <laughs> not the live ones. Yeah. So is there like a um you know, here in North, in America we have game wardens and Department of Natural Resources. Do you have a police force in there that just maintains the game? Is there no. anything like that? No, no. no. No, we have because because we have no public land over here at all that can okay. be hunted on. Um, go, well, that's what gamekeeping it gamekeeping is really. So we have gamekeepers where there are uh, commercial or syndicate shoots for game game birds, partridge, okay. duck, etc. We have a gamekeeper there. Um, and you, we have uh, a local police officer, I suppose you say, who's a rural crime officer. Mm-hmm. But that's to do with all rural crime, not just yeah. anything to do with uh, ga- um, animals. So it's not policed because there's sort of no, there's nothing to police in a way. Yeah. Okay. You know. Hmm. So what was it that got you then fascinated in? the North American hounds culture to the point where you're making these sort of incredible works of art? Well, I've always been fascinated with the hounds. Um, 
like I've, I've said previously, ever since I first saw him on the Waltons, Jim Bob had his coon dog and used to <laughs> go up into the woods with a gun. And uh, I read where the red fern grows, of course, mm. saw the film. Um, and I suppose I've always been a bit of an American file, really. You know, I love a bit of country and western. We, I grew, my dad is my dad's a massive country and western fan. Loves a western movie, mm-hmm. so we were a bit in that vein, if you like, growing up. So it's sort of always been there that American thread. Sure. Um, and this all happened completely by accident by listening to one of Nick's previous podcasts uh, series. And I just couldn't believe that there was a podcast about coon hunting and hound hunting. I just could not believe it. So mm-hmm. I just started listening and it sort of all fell together. Sure. It sort of made itself in a way. Um because it, it happened at the beginning of lockdown with the COVID thing. And I was quite happy. I'd always wanted to start making walking sticks. So I'd cut all the timber at season years ago. Never got around to it. So I had a bit of spare time during COVID. Listening to podcasts and whittling in the shed. That was <laughs> how it started. So I started about two and a half years ago. Wow. Actually making them. Perfect storm. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. That's it, amazing. It, it sort of led me, led me on this crazy worldwide journey from the comfort of my own <laughs> shedding backyard. <laughs> really. You know, when I talk to people about it, they're like open mouth. They think, well, you're just that carpenter from down the road who never goes anywhere. <laughs> but yeah, that's me. <laughs> I'll do that as well. <laughs> That's amazing. So you're you're a carpenter by trade, yeah. Like yeah. Your, your your day job is car is carpentry. Yeah, yep. yeah. I'm, I'm sort of early retired now. Okay, yep. fifty five. But yeah, I'm a, I am a um, trained carpenter joiner. My dad was a carpenter and joiner. I come from quite a line of tradesmen. Yep, that's good yeah, on good I, honest I, work. I did that for years. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, and I still love it. Mm. I love working with wood. Yeah. Now I've s- sort of uh, packed up the day job, as it were. You know, if I go a couple of days and I haven't picked up a tool or touched a bit of wood, then, you know, my wife, Deb, she says to me, it's about time you went out in the shed. <laughs> so <laughs> off I trot and then I'm happy again. It's just part of my life, really. Right. Right. The like the there's a there's a culture there for walking sticks though that there is, is, yeah. is lacking in the United States. And I, I think it's I, I've noticed it a little bit over here as well in Norway that suddenly I started seeing people walking around, you know, just in town. Not a lot of them, but some of them with yeah. walking sticks. Yeah. Yeah. And most places that you could go, you could get these little pins that you could kind of push into your walking stick that would show that you'd been to these you know, tourist, oh, yeah. touristy yeah, places. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's something that, it, you know, especially the older and more beat up I get the, <laughs> a, a good walking <laughs> stick is an awfully nice thing to have, you know, mm-hmm. it, it really yeah. is. What no, was it that, you know, you, you make your sticks out of a lot of the sort of traditional materials that 
sound very romantic to me, you know, you and Blackthorn and things like that. What, you know, did you, where did you learn how to do Like, did you just kind of figure it out as you went along? Like that? It's just, it's such an amazing thing to me. Well, when I I talk about this endlessly with my wife, you know, because she (laughs) says, oh, it's, you know, artistic and that. Honestly, I can't draw a, a stick, man. I've not got an artistic bone in my body. Art is something I've always really wish I've been good at drawing, but I, I fail miserably every time. So even though being in the, the timber industry and sort of occasionally you come across somebody who's a woodcarver, if you needed a bit of particular work done, you'd go to a specialist. And it was like alchemy to me, but really... What I've come to see over the last couple of years is, is because I'm used to working with tools, you know, my body is used to shifting the weight of how you have to work with a particular chisel. I'm used to using a plate. All these different tools, which are different skills, I have that because I've been doing it for nearly 40 years. Sure. Um, and it, so the, the sort of the artistic sort of thing doesn't really come into it in a way to me. Hmm. It's purely about, it's purely, it's practice. That's sure. what it is. And knowing how to use tools. But you're right what you're saying there. There is a culture of sticks over here. Yeah. And that's purely, it's amazing once you get into a little subject how it's all interconnected, hmm. really. Because... When people think of hunting and shooting in this country, it's basically 20 or 30 people in a straight line across a number of fields mm-hmm. with their guns on a peg 50 yards apart. Mm-hmm. Most of them have probably got a stick with them so that they can have a lean on something when they're waiting for some uh, shooting action. And then in front of them, there'd be a line of what we call beaters, which I actually take part in. Some people have got spaniels for flushing birds. So we'd be flushing those pheasant over the, or ducks or woodcock or uh, partridge. We'd be flushing them over the guns and we're at sticks hmm. because we'd be beating the undergrowth with sticks. Some people Lit- are just literally have, beating. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, some people yeah. just have branch. Some people may have something that's a little bit more uh, worked on. So there is this massive culture of sticks over here, but it's purely really because of the way that we've evolved to do shooting. Interesting. Wow. My theory on it anyway. Yeah, I wouldn't have, uh, that would, that would not have been my guess. You know, it's, it's, it, but it seems like in so many different, sort of realms there's different sticks for different things you know i've i've always, i i got into the you know years and years ago i got a little bit into the the sheepdog world. Yeah, yeah yeah and the intricate shepherd's crooks mm. were amazing oh no yeah, yeah they were just gorgeous and then you know my my uh you know my my grandmother's family comes originally from from Ireland and you know every time a family member would go over to Ireland he'd come back with you know yeah 
something stereotypically Irish, you know, shillelagh or something like that. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. But even those were, uh, you know, the ones that were done right were just things of beauty. Yeah. Really, yeah. really gorgeous. Yeah. So it oh, seems... they are. They're amazing things because they, they were a little bit of a weapon as well, I think. Right. Yeah. Supposedly. Right. Yeah. You know, they're sort of club like, aren't they? Yeah. And I, I read a little bit about them, you know, and I, my understanding of it anyway is that they're mostly made of the black, um, what is it, the blackthorn? Blackthorn, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And that the, the the heads were right. That the heads and a lot of the a lot of the length of it was made of of sort of the root system, so it had a lot of flexibility right. and some weight. When do you do that are, with yours? No, no, I don't harvest. I've, I've harvested a couple that have got a root ball on, mm-hmm. or if I see a nice piece of timber that's you know a nice straight shank, like a sapling, really, mm. a nice straight shank. And it's going into the ground and it's diggable. But no, I don't. I've been asked to do shillelaghs, but I wouldn't even attempt one because they're like a, they're a stick within themselves. Mm. You know, something they can be made left or right handed. You think it's just a ball on the end of a stick, but mm. it's a lot more involved than that. Right. And obviously, they take a lot longer to season to dry out ready for use because you're cutting the root bowl. Mm. And not something I do. I've sort of set myself the parameters that I'm only I'm only using wood that I find that I bring out the woods myself. That's, so a, that's, that's awesome. That's sticks I cut and pieces of wood, and I only really use wood for the heads that I find on that. So that's fallen wood. Okay. For that, because there's so much downed wood when you really look in a woodland you don't need to cut anything not right. from an ecological point of view it's just right. saving yourself a bit of work <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you know i think you're kind of underselling yourself though from what i've seen and what i've heard you know you say you don't have an artistic bone in your body i think maybe pen and paper wouldn't be your medium but definitely when it comes mm. to these walking sticks you make and working with wood you definitely are an artist in that medium oh, for sure. Thank and you. Yeah. To see these things, the fact that you're, you know, you're not like going down to the hardware store and buying a slab of wood and coming home and using a, a, a laser cutter or this. I mean, just to know that you've gone out and personally handpicked this piece of wood mm. from the from the the countryside, come home and spent hours and time of hand work into mm. that to bring forth that image of whatever you decide to put on that stick and work with the wood grain and the texture of that thing that 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 is definitely the definition of an artist and i have to applaud you for that oh well, thank you very much i completely agree strike strike rate it take i generally get through about three pieces of wood to one finished stick because mm-hmm. i'm often not happy with the grain and i try and I always try and use a piece that's sort of I've got a bit of the shape of how I want the finished creature to look. Because mm-hmm. most sticks, this is what didn't really interest me about making sticks for the market here. Is most, if you can imagine like a posed animal, most of them I like a bit of movement try and put a bit of movement in a stick i think that's what i'm trying to do with the animals you know trying to get them in some sort of and one of their sort of natural well-known poses that Mm -hmm. might just be a little camera click 
Right. That's what right. I'm trying to do. I'm beginning to sound arty. I like that. well i mean but to kind of build on what what nick was saying it's i I totally agree you know i mean it's like you give you know you give mick jagger a flute he's not going to sound like I mean, I don't, I don't know Mick Jagger, obviously, maybe he's a flute virtuoso and I don't know, but my, I suspect that he would not, uh, you know, he, he really wouldn't be that impressive on a flute, but you put a, you know, you put a microphone in his hand and suddenly he, he becomes an artist. I, I really think that it depends on really does depend on the medium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And you know, in my case, it just all come together at the right time. Yeah, right. You know, rather all those little aspects come together, and uh, here we are. So, just not to jump in front of you, Bear, but like, <laughs> whenever you said, "Hey, you know, I like to make these walking sticks, and I like these American big game raccoon hounds." Yeah, let's put one on one. When was that moment? How did that happen? What come forth uh, to create that? Well, you know, I don't want to keep going back. I don't want to keep blowing your trumpet, sir. But it's when I was listening to your, when I was listening to your podcast, I thought, I'll do them. I'll do them boys a stick. <laughs> That's you know, yeah. or, or Bacana. That's how it come to me. Okay, literally. Whilst I was listening, I thought, oh yeah, I'll do that because I'm enjoying this so much. And the thing I love about podcasts is, you know, they're giving away free. You know what I mean? It's And they're a very engaging medium because you can say things in a way that's not acceptable on, you know, standard broadcasting means. You can, you can be a lot more niche. Mm-hmm. And it's such an, a personable medium to me because, you know, a lot of the people that do make podcasts, you know, they're just sitting in a little room, like all three of us are now, yeah. with a microphone in front of us. There's no massive studio and a team of people behind you. Hmm. Well, so, the, uh, <laughs> the, the, there's a pretty good team of people behind me. I'm not. I'm not going to lie. Oh, Colby no, does an amazing yeah, job, but, and, and so does Jason and, and those guys. You know. But uh, no. I'm sitting in a little room with a microphone in front of me. That's that's 100% accurate. <laughs> it, it, it can be a one man. It can be a one man band. Right. Sorry. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and some yeah. people do some amazing stuff on their own. You know, Ben Sheets has another podcast, the Tree mm-hmm. Talking Time podcast. That's right. Yeah, and that's another. I'll yeah. To, to my yeah. knowledge, he does that more or less all by himself, and and you know, turns out a really good product. Uh, you know, oh, every. Definitely. Every yeah. week, yeah, he's uh, and that's and that's you they're doing people are doing that because of their enthusiasm and their love for the subject that they're covering, mm. yeah. That's that's what's unique about podcasts, I think, absolutely. So, it have puts, you it puts the nerds in charge? That's right. <laughs> I, I mean, it's absolutely true. It's yeah. you know, we're basically that's what it boils down to you know is that everybody who has a hound podcast i think for the most part or has a podcast in general at least their bottom line should be that they're they're geeks you know i'm i'm a dog geek i've always been a dog geek and i'm always going to be a dog geek and 
I like yeah. talking about dogs and things related to dogs and people, you know, and, and, and people whose other passions kind of spill into the dog hound world. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, which is why certainly why we're talking to you, because, you know, you're doing, mm -hmm. you're doing this stuff that sort of speaks to my soul as a houndsman. Mm -hmm. And, you know, do, do you, do you have hounds yourself? You don't have hounds. I don't. I have a, I have an English cocker. Mm -hmm. So great dogs. Russian Spaniel. They're great absolutely. dogs. He's an absolute demon of a dog. Mm. Honestly, you will not. You will in, not in a good way. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know how to take that. <laughs> you will not. Find, you will not find a more relaxed at home dog. Honestly, because Spaniels do have a little bit of a reputation for a bit of being too busy all of the time. Mm -hmm. But if you get a good one, they and you. They're sort of used to, you sort of train, well, like most dogs, you train them from an early age. He's definitely got an off switch, but he's got a massive on switch when you put him on game. Mm -hmm. I mean, so much so, like I sort of adopted a hound way of training him, if you like, because, uh, again, I was thinking about this. A lot of the way we need to train our dogs in this country is they need to be uber controlled mm. when you're yeah. using them on a shoot you know that dog has got to stay in line with you perhaps not go more than 10 feet from you it's got to sit when you tell it to sit it's got to turn around bring you back a bit of game on the money right and it's going in a way you're curbing well i suppose most dog training is you're curbing that dog's instinct to use mm -hmm. it for right. your own ends yeah. i guess that but what I love about what Americans have done with hounds is they've taken it to the opposite end of the scale. And like they say, it takes a lot of shoe leather to make a good coon dog. Mm. Because you're take going out every night and you're letting that dog loose in the woods and you're trying to make it as successful as possible at training itself. Mm -hmm. right. That's what I love about it. It's the total natural instinct of that animal. Right. And it's either got it or it hasn't. Right. That's what really fascinates me about hounds is because they're unfettered instinct to me. Right. And that I'll makes, sort of I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. I totally agree with that. That's what's fascinated me about them as well as this is this. You know, I've talked about it a little bit on the podcast before, you know, with the Huskies, it was all about control. It was all about, it was all about reining in this sort of natural predisposition to be just hardcore and insane. Yeah. And yeah. with the hounds, it's that, and I struggled really with that in the beginning, especially it's just the, it, you need to have that ability to just let go and yeah. just let yeah. them do their thing and trust that their genetics and their instincts are going to be yeah. enough to have them do the right thing. And that's, um, it's, it's magical. It's beautiful. And it's terrifying <laughs> at the same time, you know, I've sort of tried applying this to my, um, uh, cocker because it does come from really good hunting lines. Well, trialing lines, really. And once you get into the Spaniel, well, most gun dogs in this country, there's a massive difference between a trialing dog and an actual working dog. Oh yeah, you know, in their 
their temperament and how well they actually hunt. Mm-hmm. There's a massive difference. And it, I had tr- he's five years old now, my dog, and I had massive trouble controlling him. He would always run in on game, always. And it's kept happening, you know, two or three seasons to the point I was not going to use him anymore for for hunting. So, but I thought, what I'll do is, they've not banned e-collars over in this country yet. They were right, just about due to ban e-collars. And then the um, we had lockdown mm-hmm. and it never went through, never went through as law. Mm. So I thought, right, I, so I got in touch with Brent talked to him a bit about e-collars so i ended up getting myself a doctra e-collar which was the perfect one for me and i thought right now i know where that dog is at any one time Mm -hmm. i'm just going to let him go and if he goes too far i'm going to tone him back in it's all about timing with e-collars oh yeah yeah you know you've got to be bang on the money when you need that little bit of correction to occur. You've got to be mm. right there on the right time or if you're frightening them for the wrong reason. So anyway, I just thought I'll let him go. And he did learn that once that collar goes on, within about two trips out, he stopped running after pheasant. <laughs> and I only zapped him twice. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, right now he knows when I strap that on that I've got a little bit of control over him. I'll just let him go. And honestly, the game that dog finds now through his own instinct is incredible because normally, you know, a gun dog is not allowed. It should be polishing your boots, really, Mm -hmm. and finding game. But how much game do you really find 10 yards from your feet? Yeah. I mean, we might find some here because a lot of it is um, raised game and it's mm. released into the wild. So a good example of what he, what he's like now is in the early part of the year here, there's some fields near me, some water meadows. We get a lot of snipe on them. Mm-hmm. We get a flock of snipe coming. And just by letting him go, I walk onto this these snipe fields. He knows exactly where the marshy bits are out in the middle, where those snipe are going to be. His speed slows down. He puts the brakes right on. His nose is glued to that to that grass and that mud. And he literally he stalks his way through the grass, trying to get as close as he can to those snipe. And I've not taught him how to do that. Mm-hmm. He knows when he goes onto and he smells a certain bit of marshland, could be a snipe about, time to go into snipe mode. And he yeah. does it now with rabbits as well. You put him in bram- in uh, briars with rabbits, he searches it. Oh, it's, it's incredible. And that's just by letting him go in a hound-like fashion. Sure. Wow. That's... Which- that's really interesting. Are you able to are you able to actually do some hunting yourself? I mean, you're able to train him, but are you able to hunt a little bit yourself, get out I there with a gun and I haven't got a gun. I still haven't got a license for a gun. We're we're allowed mm. shotguns here. Right. And that that's it. Right. Um I still haven't got a gun. And I've sort of talked myself out of it now because I just like I just like seeing the dog work. That's sure. really, yeah. you know, 
once that bird goes up, it doesn't matter to me whether it's shot or not, really. Right. Uh, and I certainly haven't got the wherewithal to be able to control the dog and control that gun and point it in the right direction at the right time. You know, I'm 55 now, and I've been, I'm a bit of a late comer to the party anyway. <laughs> so trying to learn all those skills, I'm quite happy just, you know, working the dogs. And I've got, it's another, I've got another dog I work, which belongs to a gun dog trainer friend of mine. So I'm quite happy just working the dogs, really. Right. Yeah. And watching oh, yeah. it. I love that puff when a, I know it sounds horrible, but I love that puff when a pheasant gets hit. And that split second of when mm-hmm. it's zooming along at top rate, and then you get that little poof, mm-hmm. and it drops a gear. Mm. It's probably not a nice thing to say, but it's a, it's I, a good thing to see. I totally get that. I yeah. totally get that. I get that same <laughs> feeling. Not say it, but it's a beautiful thing to say. I totally understand that. It's you know when I'm hunting deer, you've got that initial shot, and then you wait for that that sort of. You yeah. know, that impact sound, it mm. sounds like a horrible thing to say, but you hear that impact sound and it's just like, you know, everything mm. so far anyway, everything's come together. You know, you've hit it. You just hope, yeah. you, you know, you hope you hit it well and blah, blah, blah. But it's, mm. I totally get that. It's the, you know, it's, it's all part of the full, the full and experience it, of hunting from, you know, start to finish, especially with dogs. Mm. It's a, a primal thing. It is. Exactly. And an urge in some people that others may not have. Right. That's mm. all it is. You know, it's, it's so um, I'm quite happy doing that anyway. Absolutely. It's, it, it's not the kill of the animal for people no. listening that you're explaining. It's 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 the climax of the situation. You're, it's you're, the coming you're, together of all those yeah. people involved in that day mm-hmm. or maybe just one person out in the woods that's planned all that for a season or more. Yeah. Trying to find that butt that they know is out there somewhere and they keep finding traces of but never see it. And then all of a sudden you know that one's coming to sight. That is it. Somehow mm-hmm. you know that is it. And it's all coming together. Yeah. Oh absolutely. I t- I totally understand what you're what you're saying. It's a much misunderstood thing. Well yeah. very you can misunderstand. Yeah. Yep. No, it's that's. Um, I, I believe that if most people could experience that moment just for a minute, just one time, I think we would have a lot less misinformation and a lot less misunderstanding yeah. when it came to when it came to hunting, and especially when it comes to hunting with dogs, because. You know, just to the realization of how much work exactly. went in to yeah. getting that dog to that point, yeah. you know, yeah. where it all comes together is just astounding. So oh. like with, with the people who big game hunt or deer hunt bother, you know, without eight of hounds, you've got the practicing with the bow, practicing with the gun, finding the land, scouting the deer, so on and so forth. And they all understand that there's a lot of that that goes into hunting with any kind of dog for any kind of game you you you're in pursuit of with that dog. It's actually a compilation of years, you know. Like you've got the new beagle puppy there now. You you have bought this beagle puppy. You went through a recent 
almost trauma. So you survived that with your beagle. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> now you have to train him for years. And the the one day where you know he's a year old or two years, whatever it may be, when you take him out and you see him pursue a game, hmm. and you're able to harvest that game at that moment, it's like all the sum of all the effort that has went into that dog for mm-hmm. however long it has been mm-hmm. has climaxed at this very moment. It doesn't, it's not in that game. It's not walking up and grabbing that game and looking at that game or taking it home and eating that game. It's the right. fact that you were able to achieve this with all the effort that you in partnership with that animal put in. That's the beauty of it to me. I you know? and, 100% agree. Yep. That was a lot more eloquent than the way I described it. That was yeah, th- spot on, sir. Spot on. <laughs> I think I, th- I yeah. No, I, I I totally totally agree. It's um, I mean, take it further. It could be the culmination of five or six generations of breeding yeah, to get absolutely. the dog that comes together with that. Absolutely, yeah. Just yeah. one or two out of a litter that can do that. How you want it to be done. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's it's a lifetime of work for a lot of people, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's um, but you know, it's uh, I, I guess a little bit like the like the carving. You know, you 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 and the woodworking. You sort of you 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 start and you start to figure out how to do it, and the, you know, the longer you do it, the better you get at it, and. You know, eventually you you end up having more. At least I, I'm still waiting for this point to hit this point with the hounds myself. <laughs> I got to this point with the huskies where, you know, eventually it seems like, you know, you start to give the impression you really know what you're doing, man. You know, it's like yeah. it's, uh, <laughs> you're actually getting pretty good at this stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's the uh, yeah the the culmination of just such an an enormous amount of work and time but also just dedication you know because that's the other thing is you know say you go out you know, say you're out doing this five six seven eight hours a week that's all well and good but if you're not thinking about it the rest of the week too you're still yeah. not going to get there I was it's, just it's a, say to you, yeah it's yeah. an enormous amount of thought it is because like anybody who has uh i don't know <laughs> If you are a bit of a nerd about something, it's going to occupy a lot of your waking hours, mm-hmm. yeah. isn't it? You know, in the car, whenever, sometimes at work, when you're doing something else, you're going to put a massive amount of thought into that mm. all the time. Absolutely. And that, and that, again, like you say, that's part of what all comes together. Mm. Oh, borderline obsessive about it. You almost have to be borderline obsessive yeah, about yeah. something that you're going to be into like that. Yeah, I don't oh, think yeah. that. I don't think it's borderline. It's not. <laughs> we're it's full. Tough. It's full blown. <laughs> <laughs> so, you are early retired as a carpenter. Mm-hmm. You've gotten fully into this. Yeah. Walking stick carving, woodworking. Mm-hmm. Have you started your own company? What is your company like? What's your company called? How do people how do people get more information about you? Well, I've got an Instagram page and mm-hmm. a company called Root and Branch USA. Mm-hmm. So I'm only producing sticks for the uh, well, prim- primarily the American market, but for houndsmen and hunters. 
mm-hmm. that's what I'm producing sticks for. Um, yeah, if you go if you go on that on that uh, Instagram page, you'll see quite a few of my reels. Mm. Um, I'm at the moment. I'm in the process of building up some stock, so I've got about ten or twelve sticks ready to go, ready to be launched, if you like. Mm-hmm. I've done a series. I've done a series of four mountain lions. I saw the beginning of those. Those were. Yeah. Uh, so got, it's unfathomable to me that you can take a block of wood and you know, turn it into something it that looks that lifelike to me. It's. Mm-hmm. it's I it's can't just... explain how it happens. <laughs> so I really can't. I mean, the first bit is easy. I just cut a silhouette okay. out of a block of wood. That's the right mm-hmm. shape of that animal. That's all I do. And then it's it feels like I'm joining up the dots in a three-dimensional way. Right. Really. You you plot a few points. But as I as I go along now, I'm doing a lot more freehand. And it's a lot easier. The less you think about it, the, the easier it is, really. Yeah. Right. Because what you do learn being a tradesman or somebody involved in a trade for a long time, you've naturally got a good pair of eyes for spotting when something is right in line, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit out of kilter. So just trust yourself and don't mm. over, and don't overthink it really. Mm. Um, but you know, I've produced plenty of firewood as well. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> now that that name, root and branch. Can you explain to everyone listening what that means in per se of, of what you're doing? Because, I, I think people might think you're just grabbing some two by fours and cutting this stuff. I mean, I know we touched uh, on it, but explain a little. I've used that because I basically use all different parts of the tree. I'm not just mm. taking a prime piece of lumber um, that's been taken out, the nice uh, quarter sawn piece of timber. I use a root bowl. Sometimes I will use a root bowl. A piece mm-hmm. of oak root ball because where I am in Kent, there's a lot of oak woodlands, and a lot of those trees have blown over over the years, and oh, they're beautiful things to see. When mm-hmm. you it just it's just an upturned tree, but when you see it, you see the root system sticking up in the air like they're like dorsal fins. These yeah. Big uh, roots that you get off them. So I use a lot of those and they have a very strange grain in them. Mm. Um, so I use the root and obviously the, the branches. I use branches for heads sometimes and, you know, I cut my own sticks, canes. Mm-hmm. So yeah. root and branch, I use all of it really. Right. Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. I just want to, you know, make sure people understand you're not just going out here and buying lumber to make this stuff you know i think i just think it's so unique you you're taking the the root of a tree that's been in the ground for 40 60 years yeah. whatever it may be never seen the light of day the tree yeah. falls down it's uprooted it's destined to rot and wither away and nobody yeah. ever see it again or care about it yeah. you come here comes adam strolling through the <laughs> english countryside <laughs> says you know what that right there looks like an old hound dog that i've seen <laughs> pictures well, of in america <laughs> It's sort of something like that, but I've started it's just, amazing. I've started picking on tree stumps. You know when you see a tree stump's covered in moss? Yeah. And like the centre's gone out of it, so it's it's got like a cut. Mm-hmm. 
and you think most people will walk past that. It's just an old rotten stump, but it's not rotten. Yeah. Usually they loosen that you can pull them out of the ground because all the, the feeler roots have rotted off. But that is a solid lump of oak in there. Mm-hmm. It's gnarly. It's honorary. It'll take a lot of work. And I can't tell you how many times I've pulled one of those up. And then I think, oh, no, it's a mile to the car again. <laughs> That's what it's like. It's like, yeah. well, I've got to have this bit. It'll keep you, it'll keep you fit. Really nice <laughs> it keeps you young, I guess. It's hard enough. Right. Do you know what I mean? I have to make it harder. So, but that's what it's like. That's how I find it. And also, on my dog, that's another good thing about the dog trap. Well, mm-hmm. it's and your or the Garmin, where you should be saying your dog is treed or, you know, that's yeah. where I put a marker in to know to come back next time and find that stump. So right. Adam, Adam's, Adam is rooted. Yeah. <laughs> uh, his maps are full of some interesting waypoints. If I can, if I can squeeze a little bit of hound kudos out of anything I do, I will do it. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, the GPS is showing all Adam's rooted right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> He's got one in the ground. Well, Adam's got one in the ground. Wow. So the only things I buy is a bit of glue. Mm-hmm. And I've started using what most makers over here use, which is gunstock oil, mm-hmm. uh, true oil. Mm-hmm. So even that comes from the USA, comes from uh, it Grand, Grand Prairie, Texas. Okay. okay. True oil. So yeah. I use that on the sticks. It is absolutely beautiful finishing yeah. oil. That is, it's the mm. best bit. So Interesting. That maintains a connection. Wow. What was the no. first one you made? Sorry. Nick. No, go ahead. First one I made was, oh, they were just sort of knobbly, knobbly sticks to begin with. Then I made a grebe. Do you know a grebe? Oh, sure. Uh, I don't know whether they have them in America. I know you're, you've got them there, you know, crispy yeah. grebe. I made a Yeah, grebe. like, um, gosh, what are they? A bit like a diver, isn't it? It's a, yeah, it's... Um, is it similar to a northern diver? They're all sort of the, part of the same family, aren't they? Yeah, it's... Uh, gosh, I'm, uh, I'm blanking on the name. Uh, of what they're called in the states, it's uh, is this some type of bird? I mean, I'm way yeah, out it's, here. Yeah, yeah, it's like a, it's some kind of bird. It's it's like a okay. diver duck, okay. but not really a duck. It's um, mm-hmm. no, no. Um, well, but anyway, so I've done that, and then I went on and had to go at a donkey. Yeah, somebody asked me to do a flamingo, all the strange ones, <laughs> and uh, then I got into the the dogs, yeah, the hounds. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, and I've done a I've done a bear that which I sent off to Clay Newcomb. He's mm-hmm. got that. Um, which I've got another I've got some more bears in the offering actually. Yeah. That's amazing. Um so I've got a massive pile of blanks that I've cut out ready so I have a second seasoning, cut them out roughly, give them a second seasoning. Hmm. And I don't get too snippy about cracks or knots. Or little bits of rot or woodworm. 
they just get filled with clear resin because mm-hmm. it's all part of the timber's story to me. Right. You know, that was a stamp. It's not going to be perfect, mm-hmm. but it's perfect for me. Exactly. I like that. That's how people should look at their dogs too. I think that's how a lot of our, a lot of us houndsmen look at our dogs. Yeah. It's like, yeah. well, just he's fill got, it, just fill him with resin. He's got some <laughs> holes in him and yeah, scarred yeah. up and it yeah. smells like he's rotting somewhere, but uh, it's all part of his story. You know, yeah. That's, that's amazing. It's, it's really just a cool thing. You know, it's, it's, I, I find this kind of stuff so much more interesting than if you were, you know, buying dowels at the local hardware store and 3d printing the heads you know it, it's it's like yeah, yeah oh that's that's interesting it's, i guess that's possible too but what what, what you're doing is just kind of mm-hmm. taking this thing that so many other people might look at as ugly mm-hmm. a rotted stump yeah. and turning yeah. it into something just sort mm-hmm. of it to, to to us breathtaking and sort of something that resonates with us Oh, right. yeah, yeah. Oh, I really enjoyed it. The big thing is, I really love doing it. I That's really, a, I'm really, the most important thing. Honestly, since I've retired, I'll get up earlier and earlier. So most most mornings, I'm out in the workshop at four, five. If I if it's gone five o'clock, I always think, oh, it's not worth going out in yet. <laughs> We're halfway through the morning, so four o'clock is a beautiful time to be out. I creep out to the to the shed. Dawn chorus is just starting. Still hear the owls hooting in the trees mm-hmm. over the, over the back there. Still hear the fox cubs playing. No one else about. Just yeah. uh, me and a bit of wood. Beautiful. I like that. Yeah, you that know, there's there, there's like a movement through some of the. Big social media guys. I think Jocko Willink, you know, him being a Navy SEAL, he gets up super early. And you hear all these big influencers talk about how getting up early and spend a few hours of time with yourself yeah. before yeah. social media, yeah. before wife and kids get away, before you got to go to work. And I've kind of sort of been doing that, you know, coming to the office here. I've been reading uh, Bob Ford's big little book, yeah. Big yeah. Tales, yeah. and yeah. things yeah. like that. And that you're spot on, you know, if you could just spend a little bit of time in the morning on something that's you, that yeah, you yeah. want to do, it does a lot for your soul. Oh, oh, it does. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I remember I was a massive reader. I'm still a massive reader. I love reading. It's one of the, oh, it's a beautiful thing to do. I remember when I got, I got me, got my hands on a copy of Woody Guthrie's autobiography, hmm. Bound for Glory, hmm. which, you couldn't buy over here in the 80s, you know. It just wasn't up for sale. But our local library managed to get hold of a copy. So I was setting my alarm for 4 o'clock in the morning so I'd get up, get a couple of hours in before I went to work. Because yeah. it was just such a – and it's a beautiful time. It's a lovely time to read. It's just yeah. you and a book. And your, your imagination can run right so I've always been an early riser ever since, you know, I had a newspaper around when I was 14 and up early. Hmm. So I'm institutionalised now. And there is no <laughs> laying. <laughs> I know that, um, you know, since you've started this whole the root and branch thing, you've had a lot of assistance from our buddy Brent Reeves over here in Arkansas. Hmm. Yeah. And he, he spread the word massively. He's, you know, he got you to make me that first stick and you sent several over him through connections. I know with clay now and yeah, yeah. everything else. Um, 
is there an underlying reason for this root and branch USA? Is there, is this supposed to be funding a certain thing? Well, I don't know if you want to get into. I'm hoping, I'm hoping to fund a trip over basically. Right. Mm. The, um, see the great land. I've been over yeah. a couple of times in the past, but, um, I didn't have all these friends and people I knew then. So mm. I just love to come over. I'd love to come over and just hear those hounds in the night time. All right. For real. So, so you, only, that's what I, I would absolutely. So that's what it's all about. Gotcha. Really. That's cool. I wanna, that's cool. I want to get over there. And, I'll, you know, I'm going to be greasy. I want to do a little bit of everything if I can. <laughs> yeah. Cram as much as I can. <laughs> so, right. I'm doing how I'm going to make all the seasons collide. <laughs> You'll get home and be like, oh, I don't ever want to look at a hound again in my entire life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm hoping to come home with one if I do. That would be Oh, nice. yeah. You know, because there's very few coon hounds over here. Mm-hmm. So, if I can slip a plot in, I will. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's the plan. And... We're trying to move everything towards that, to yeah. towards that end. Here at the moment, everything happens. There's no hurry. Yeah. I'm not going anywhere. It's just that, I mean, it's a good time. The same as how these sticks come about. They come about in their own good time. Yeah. I love that, though, that you, you have this goal, this bucket list thing, type, whatever you want to phrase it. So you have this skill and this artistic mind and this thing you're highly interested in and this goal, and you have found a way to patch all that together, hopefully to a plan to work towards mm. that goal. I know. It's, it's totally crazy. It's this madcap life of mine. Well, seemingly, you know, pedestrian. It's... Seemingly <laughs> pedestrian, but it's not. Yeah. Because there's all this going on behind. And, it, and to a lot of people over here, it's such an obscure thing that most people can't really comprehend it. Sure. You know, the, the hound, the interest in the hound world and the hunting world, most people really don't understand it. But it's something of a massive world to me. Mm, a yeah. massive world, you know. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's funny, though. You know, we, it, it's kind of easy to get caught up in things like social media, you know, Instagram, you see these people, like you mentioned Jocko Willink earlier, Nick, and, you know, find these people that are inspirational because they lead these just sort of grand and fascinating lives that they make a lot of sort of, they make a big deal about. Mm -hmm. But the, the people that I've found consistently to be the most fascinating and actually the most inspirational are, are are these people that on the outside if you pass them on the street you you wouldn't think that uh, yeah. this person is doing something incredible mm-hmm. for an incredible reason mm-hmm. working towards an incre- a, a really cool goal mm-hmm. you know and i i find those people so much more interesting than somebody who has done something amazing and then made a huge deal about look at how yeah. amazing I am, right. I am, you know, it's, it's, yeah. 
it's uh you know I, it's really fascinating to me um and talking to people like yourself or you know a, a sort of a, a closet instrument virtu- virtuoso or mm-hmm. you know I, I talked to a I talked to there was a guy that I'd passed probably a hundred times on the streets of Lillehammer in in Norway mm. and he was always had this little stand little you know two by four thing that he'd made with belts and leather work mm. and it was yeah. like good quality stuff and eventually at one point i had a couple hours to kill and i walked by him and i was like i'm going to talk to this guy mm-hmm. and he turned out to be a guy that just loved to travel he was the mm. former executive from on some italian car company and got into the leather work as a hobby. It's what he did to kind of zero out at the end of the day. And eventually it was like, you know what? I've got enough money to retire now. And yeah. now we now he travels all over the place. While I was standing there, I heard the guy speak. I heard him speak Italian, Russian, Norwegian, and English. Wow. And it was just like some random dude selling belts on the street. And he ended up being one of the most well-spoken and intelligent people I've ever met. Yeah. Just following a dream, traveling around Europe, yeah. selling leather. You never know. Who, you who, never know. At the you know. I mean, a good example is tomorrow. I'm going to see my father-in-law tomorrow, me and the wife. And he was a welder. He's been a welder all his life. He's mm-hmm. now in his 80s. And he's just a little old man on a mobility scooter, you know, like a mobility trike thing. Mm-hmm. See these people on. But when you talk to him, people are amazed because he – he had his own welding firm. Him and two friends had a welding firm in the seventies. They employed two hundred blokes. Wow! Make working on oil rigs, building oil rigs in Scottish locks, and then floating them out to sea. Wow! And he was always a welder, even though it was his firm. He was on the torch every day, so yeah. he travelled. And he, we live at the far, as far away from Scotland as you can get, basically, mm-hmm. on this island. They travel up in a day, do three weeks, come back for a week, travel back up. And when that all went pop, when we had the, uh, the, the worldwide recession about 87, he had a couple of million in the bank, and it all got wiped out overnight. Wow. So what did he do? He decided... Oh, an American oil company headhunted him. So he went working on oil rigs all down the east coast of Africa. In wow. the, out, literally Ivory Coast, Cameroon, Nigeria, Benin, all up there. Ended up in the Libyan desert, welding petrochemical pipelines in 50-degree heat where you could only weld for 10 minutes in the sun and then you swapped over the other side with your partner and you get a bit of shame. Wow. And you, think, and you look at this old timer on his mobility trike, and he, he just looks like an old man. Yeah. Right. But he's, <laughs> he's, a, he's a massive hero to me. Yeah, that's cool. He put hands done and still got up, even when he lost everything, and went out to the fight and went out to Africa. Just went back to work, yeah. Yeah, just went back to work. Incredible. Just, to, to, to himself, he's probably just a welder. But to hear that story, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah. that, right, there's a man of iron. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> right. Well, and 
you know, he, he really was a welder as well. Yeah. 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 I think that's uh, on a total, like uh, a little touching a little bit on what we're talking about here. I talked to somebody recently, a, a client at work who, um, you know, we got her dog was there for a little while and we got to talking to her. I'm, I'm a veterinary nurse. And so we got to talking to her a little bit. I was asking, what did she do? And she, she was a, an educator and very well educated herself, was working on her doctorate, blah, blah, blah. And she mentioned her, her husband. And I said, well, what does he do? She said, oh, he's, he's just a carpenter. And I remember like actually stopping the conversation and being like, well, is he a bad carpenter? <laughs> she was like, what? No, why? <laughs> I said, well, you said he's just a carpenter. I mean, unless he's a bad carpenter, like that sounds like something I'd be kind of proud of. And, you know, she, she got a little embarrassed about it, but it's, I think it's unfortunate in today's society where, you know, it's, it's, there's this expectation that, you know, that this idea of success is, you know, movie star, you know, whatever social media influence or whatever that is, you know, and, and to me, it's just like the, the most successful and hap some of the happiest people I've ever met, the people I've always looked up to were, were, you know, the, the workers, the, the carpenters, the, the welders, the, you know, yeah. log home builders, you know, the, yeah. the, they, they, they put pride into work that for whatever reason, society has started to look down on. Mm. Yeah. And mm. I think it's such a shame because, you know, it's those people that make the world go around, not some moron in a man bun on Instagram, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, <laughs> you know, you know, you, you tell me talking about all this. And I've mentioned in several other places before my grandfather, he was, he's my hero, you know, and he's been passed now for five or six years. All my life, though, I knew he was in World War II. I know he drove a tank under Patton and all. And there were some stories, some, some out, some, you know, amazing stories. Mm. But since he's passed, we, we've actually been talking to his brothers and cousins that are still living. And we're hearing these other stories, stuff my mom grew up with him and seen scars on his back and didn't know where it come from. He wouldn't speak of, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of like you're talking about your father-in-law just to look at the man all my life. He was, he was Paul. He had worked his, his hands to skin and bone to provide for his family, got hurt on the job, got disability, which he claimed was the biggest blessing in his life because then he could stay home with his wife and you know was able to draw a check didn't yeah. have to work as hard anymore even though he yeah. was nearly crippled everybody mm. else would have seen that as a as a as a major problem to him that was a blessing you know and he just took care of, he's a simple man who took yeah. care of his family loved to coon hunt at night to mm -hmm. zero out you know and then mm. after the fact you get to hearing all these stories or i would go to school and i'd, I'd learn what the battle of bastone was yeah oh, i remember my grandpa talking about them coming in there, you know, or I'd hear you say yeah. something like, my goodness, there's so many things that these men don't tell about themselves. That no. If you knew, if you were there, just like your father-in-law, if you were yeah. there when it happened, 
it would blow your mind, you know. Yeah. And that's that's the to yeah, me, that's great. always the heroes. They're the greatest generation, Nick. Greatest oh, absolutely. Generation. Without yeah. a doubt. No, both my grandfathers were in the Second World War. Mm. Here, mm. I mean, they were both heroes to me. Mm-hmm. You know, incredible, incredible, quiet, gentle men. Mm-hmm. And yet they saw the worst of humanity. It's that that's another thing that I've uh, I've noticed when I've talked to people who have been a part of, you know, something like that have been, you know, especially veterans of war, the world wars. Um, my, my degree is in world war history. Um, oh, and mm-hmm. my grandmother was a nurse, a Navy nurse in world war two. And they are the humblest people. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the degree to which they sacrificed for, you know, everybody, mm-hmm. you know, not just themselves and most of the times, not for themselves at all, mm-hmm. just for humanity. Yeah. yeah. It, and they just make, you know, if, if, if that happened today, they would be, you know, reality tv shows you know stars and they'd have they'd have their own podcasts and you know they'd they'd be beating their own drum saying hey look at me look at all the amazing things that i've done rightfully so i'm not saying that they don't they wouldn't deserve that but it's it's the humbleness in in a way it comes like they didn't realize what they did you know yeah my grandpa when i talked to my stuff i'm like do you realize the significance of history of where you were and what was going on you know, it is just something that needed to be done. So they went and did it, you know, yeah, to them. Exactly, yeah, and that yeah, just like, blows my mind. They were doing what needed to be done. Mm-hmm. No question asked. That's what needed to be done. It's, yeah, it's incredible. Mm. The right people at the right time, luckily, for for the world. Oh, yep. absolutely. I dread to think what would happen <laughs> if people like Jake Paul and uh, some of these other instagram or you know social media people needed mm. to step up and do what was right i mm. i uh I, I dread to think what would happen if we had to rewind and play that one back <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah but it's um yeah the i think that you know it's people like that you know you're your grandfathers, my grandmother, you know, it's people like that that made it so that we have the the luxury of being able to do some of the stuff that we do now. Yeah, you know, I have the luxury of being able to sit here and talk to you guys and, mm-hmm. and you know, we have the, the luxury and the freedom to pursue chase our hounds. passions. Yeah. Chase hounds, yeah. carve yeah, sticks, do podcasts, yeah. you know, <laughs> absolutely. Mm. The, the, the freedom to pursue our passions thank mm. god for them that's right yeah. Mm. yeah wow well we went down a rabbit hole on that one <laughs> <laughs> that's all right you know it's it's amazing way hounds will pull you down a rabbit hole every now and then you it know? is oh i love it that's what i love about doing this podcast you know i could come is uh, i've you know i was on a couple of different podcasts over the throughout the years and they, were, they always came like sent me this long list of talking points and it's mm-hmm. like schedule of like okay then we're going to talk about this and you know 
that was fine. It was, it was still fun to be on those podcasts, but I, I felt yeah. like I, I ended the podcast with a bunch of questions of like, well, I wanted to ask that question. Right. You know, right. Would have fallen out, you know? Yeah. So Adam, I do have a question. Um, yeah. You say, okay, the goal of Root and Branch USA is to supply some funds to one day get over here and hunt. Yeah. You know, do you, do you have a date when we're going live with this guys can buy or, I know, you, I know people can go to the Instagram now and start following you yeah. so they can keep an eye on it. Yeah. How hopefully do we, how do we fund this thing? Hopefully by the end of the, end of the summer, I'll be in a okay. position to uh, have a bit of stock ready. Okay. Because uh, Brent and uh, David McDaniels, they've sort of, mm-hmm. they're setting up things over, over there. So, um, make it, you know, the fund trends, the, um, payment to be done internally in the states so there won't be any uh unforeseen taxes and any of that for people to contend with mm-hmm. um well hopefully all that will be set up and ready to roll end of the summer good yeah, awesome i'm hoping but i've sort of i've sort of started posting early just to uh try and get in the rhythm build up the followers a little bit yeah um so yeah keep Keep watching. Yeah. 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 And they can by. find you. That's that is root and branch. Root and branch USA. Yeah. On, on Instagram. Instagram. Okay. On Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Are you on Facebook as well? No. No, I'm not. Okay. Not as, getting a bit complicated with <laughs> you know me and root and branch started sort of getting a bit intermingled. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's, I'd rather keep it as, you know, it's all too right. Yeah, own entity, really. Sure, yeah. that makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. Huh. So you you you've got sticks with hounds. I know you said you've got some bears going out. You've done some mountain lions. I've got, the... I've got a raccoon. I've got a raccoon stick. I've done. Ah. I have to shot. I'll send you a shot of that. Yeah. I've got a yeah. raccoon stick. I've done a um a hog. Oh, yeah. cool. Big over, hog hunting. That's big over there. Yeah. Um, a mule, cut the mules, because I love a mule. Yeah, yeah. Miracle <laughs> faces, so I've done a couple of mules. <laughs> and I've got some, plot, some plots on the go, because I've got some particularly plotty pieces of oak. So I've got cool. some right. on the go. Yeah. And, yeah, it's just, I'm going to try and do everything. If you can chase it with a hound, I'm going to try and make one. And what I, you know, I want to make sure people know. Now, I, it's almost going to seem hypocritical me saying this because you made mine, and mine is like right there on my little mantle by my TV. I'm looking mm-hmm. at it every day along with my turkey. So I'm not toning the woods <laughs> yet. You're working yeah. on something else for that. But you made one for Brent that I know goes in the woods every time he cuts oil. He does, yeah, yeah. So yeah. your sticks are made to – they're durable. They are oh, made to be used. Well, These are not just getting... showpieces. No, no, no. I make them expecting fully, mm-hmm. that, you know, they're going to get dirty. Right. Yeah. If they get knocked over, you may lose an ear or a bit of a <laughs> But it's all part of the story. Exactly. Right. You yeah. know, your hounds get, you know, knocked around a little bit, don't they? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so they're made to be used, really. Yeah. Made yeah. To be used. I like to think that if you have one, you're going to take it out there and get it dirty. Yeah. Right. 
I always want people to know if they're interested in one, but they're like, hey, I just don't want to buy it just to show it. I want to use it. These are capable. They're they're ready yeah. to go. I mean, that's oh yeah, definitely. But you know, there is a a lot of people do over here, they do have like an everyday stick and yeah. a show stick, you know. So if you go when you go to uh, Grand American or whatever, you'll mm-hmm. have a more of a flash delicate little number than perhaps <laughs> Uh, yeah. right. use, yeah. use the other you maybe use the other stick to knock that old coon off your coon's head that's right but i'm really pleased with the raccoon one i've done that's come out really nice that's got some uh some bone i've set some deer bone teeth in it really? just to give it a little wow. accent that's come out so i'm looking forward to doing more of those but i'm not going to bog myself down i thought i'd do try and cover a range of different species and then people can tell me what's popular and what isn't wow it looks to me i'm gonna have a wide collection of root and branch sticks for too long i didn't know i didn't know about this raccoon sticks so. i'll give you i'll give you a special price oh um, man well. I, I can't wait for this to uh this to go live yeah i'm an uh you know i i always walk with i've got a little bit of a bum a bum leg and i always walk with a stick like I yeah. always walk with a stick. So I was like, when really? Nick brought this up, I was like, oh, heck yeah. Yeah. This you is see, uh, com- combining two, two of my realities, hounds and yeah. walking sticks. This is great. <laughs> so I can't here, wait for you to go live with this. Like, yeah. Well, my dad, you know, he's always, we, we would go deer hunting or whatever in these mountains and we just break a stick and head up the hill and use it, you know, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and dad doing the rabbit hunting thing all my life, he's always just picked up a stick and, Kind of beat the brush, help jump the rat, which I know, yeah. you know, you're supposed to have dogs do for you. So, but, you know, just the whole idea is I, I love it. I'm going to use your work on me from one now that I'm going to use a lot. And yeah. uh, I love it. This is just amazing. Yeah. Well, like what you're doing, Adam. Oh, well, thank you very much. Thanks for being a, a vocal supporter of me. It's, uh, it's, an, it's just amazing. <laughs> well, it's. I found about the the hound community in general, you know, although people could easily think, well, you know, he doesn't really apply to what's going on over here. No hounds, doesn't hunt. But people have just been so welcoming and Mm. friendly on the whole. I've had no negativity at all from anyone. People are just really open and pleased that someone from so far away is interested in what they're interested in yeah it's a small world it is you get into some sort of some of these niche you know interests and the world suddenly Mm. does become a small place it does which i love i i love that about the about a lot of this stuff yeah they're coming together you know something like this you're coming together for a good reason Mm. Yeah. yeah a common purpose not a divisive common purpose but a cohesive common purpose. That's what I like about it. And this time and age when there's so much division, it's so refreshing to to find common interest with folks you don't even really know. You know, it's just... Yeah. Folks you never even thought would have have that common interest. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I mean, if if you'd asked me a month ago, how many people in Kent love American (laughs) hounds? (laughs) Culture, I would have been like, ah. Nope. There's, there's probably 
one <laughs> one we know of maybe we and maybe we maybe we just managed to meet that one <laughs> yeah. yeah great well adam I, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and 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 talk about uh talk about what you do i i really appreciate what you do it's a well, big work as well so you know it's it's nice to it's nice to be invited on oh absolutely it's lovely absolutely to be and we'll um, we'll put a link to your Instagram page in the comments, of, oh, uh, or not the comments, but the uh, the episode notes. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. please do keep me updated when you've got your site up and running because I yeah, will. Okay. I'm going to share yeah. the uh, share the heck out of that. Lovely. Thank you very much, sir. Absolutely. And uh, I'll see you in the woods one day. I hope so. I hope so. Come to uh, you two. Got to get together. Y'all I was going to say you're, you're practically my neighbor over here, and yeah, you know, right. you know yeah. it's 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 Europe, the American yeah. sense of geography. You're you're practically right next door. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just down the road. <laughs> so you're. I mean, but seriously, if you want to come and listen to some hounds work, you're always welcome to take a Norwegian vacation. Oh uh, yeah, I've always wanted to come to Norway. Actually, Scandinavian countries I find really alluring. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful part of the world. It really is. So, mm -hmm. you know, get, get, get over there and get some coonhound time, and uh, but yeah. come over to Norway when you need a. Love to. Thank you very need much. Need a refill. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. This has been awesome. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I really appreciate you coming on, Adam, and I really appreciate you. Uh, bringing him to my attention and coming on and helping me host this one, Nick. Oh, yeah. I appreciate you having me on here. And oh, It's always good uh, to talk to you. It's great, man. Thanks, Adam. Well, thanks, Nick, for putting me forward, and thanks, Bear, for having me on. Absolutely. Anytime. Okay, mate. See you soon. See you later. Bye. Bye-bye. Man, I love that sound. <laughs> <laughs>